So you say you're a Christian. So what's your religious background? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say I'm a Christian. Yeah, something like that. Okay. What does that mean to you? Oh, you know, I try to be a good person and whatnot. You know, I go to church. And the day's just supposed to, I guess, like Easter, Christmas, July 4th. Yeah, the important ones. Gotcha. So you say you're pretty serious about your faith? Uh, yeah, sure. I guess you could say that. You know, I, I know what God stands for and whatnot. And I definitely know my beliefs in him and that he's there for me when I need him and whatnot. Why don't we make some noise today if we love Jesus? Well, today we are starting this brand new message series um, based off the book, The, the Christian Atheist. Um, actually, before At the Cross was formed, there was uh, about five or six of us that, that we did this uh, study, um, The Christian Atheist. Um, and we would meet every Sunday morning and, and we'd do various studies. But this, this study in particular, I, I go, what? on earth is a Christian atheist, and, uh, but this, this study, and this was, uh, boy, three years ago now, um, really impacted me, it really spoke to me, um, and so my hope is through the series that we can continue to grow in our faith and, and stre- strengthen our relationship uh, with God. So you might be thinking, of course, you know, Christian atheist, what in the world is that? Um, so let me sort of explain the concept. Uh, according to a survey done at the time of this book's release uh, in the U.S., uh, three out of every four people stated that they believed in God. Three out of every four in the U.S. stated they believed in God. And incredibly, some surveys even report about seven in every ten people actually believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But when we look at how people live today, I think we'd all have to agree that 7 out of 10 people are not living a life that reflects the teachings of Jesus, right? That, that makes pretty much sense. And, and while the majority of Americans believe in God, the truth is, is, is so many as a, of us live as if God does not exist. And uh, this is the, the definition of the, of the Christian atheist. What is a Christian atheist? A Christian atheist is someone who believes in the God of the Bible, Christian will say, but atheist lives as if God does not live at all, if he does not exist. Um, and for the record, those of you who are either here or, or, or might be listening to us later online uh, who are an atheist, uh, this uh, by no means is a shot at you. Uh, this is more focused on those who, who think or, or call themselves Christians and yet live as if God does not exist. And I want to use a verse to, to open up and sort of set the tone for this four-part message series. This is actually Paul uh, writing to Titus, and, and he is describing the, the heart behind uh, this message, talking about some people who, who were very rebellious and in the way that they lived, and he said that they, they were full of meaningless talk. In, uh, in other words, talk, 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 talk. <laughs> uh, but their actions were inconsistent with their talk. And so this is what he said about them. 
He says this in Titus chapter 1, verse 16. They claim to do what? Let's say this aloud. They claim to know God. Yeah, we know God. Yeah, we believe in God. They claim to know God, but by their actions, what do they do? But by their actions, they deny Him. They claim to know Him, but by the way that they live, they actually deny Him. I would call that a Christian atheist. He says they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. They claim to know God, yet they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. So let me sort of explain where we're going in this message series. Today we're going to talk about really a very, very important message uh, that is one of the most important messages that I think I can ever really even teach on, and that is those who believe in God but do not know Him. Those who believe in God but do not know Him. Next week we're going to talk about those who believe in God but do not fear him. I just talked about with the fear thing. And, and uh, this is really important teaching as we get into what does it mean to live in a, in a reverent fear of God? What does that mean? Week number three, we're going to talk about those who believe in God but don't want to go overboard for that whole Jesus thing. I want to believe in him and I want to kind of do things on my way, on my terms. I want to keep things comfortable. And then week number four, we're going to talk about those who believe in God but do not trust him. Those who believe in God but do not trust him. I want to believe in God, but I still want to keep control over so many things in my life. A Christian atheist, someone who believes in God but lives as if he doesn't exist. Today, though, I believe in God, but I do not know him. And I'll illustrate it this way years ago. I knew Katie, but I did not know her. What do I mean by that? Well, before I knew her well, I, I knew of her. Uh, about 15 years ago, I was working uh, just right down the road from where she worked, and I heard about this beautiful woman that worked at the store. I heard of her, but I did not know her. Well, a few days later, I, I went to the store. I introduced myself to her, and now... I know of her, but I did not know her well. And as, as time went on, we developed our relationship, and as we spent more and more time together, we became closer and closer. We shared the intimate secrets with each other. We told each other things that, that we wouldn't share with, with other people, with anyone else. And as the days turned into weeks and, and weeks turned into months, we, we continued in this relationship. And as the years passed, we began to know, know more about each other. We've spent nearly every day together since then, and uh, 12 years later, and, and we have now become incredibly close, uh, an intimate bond with each other. For example, I used this illustration a few weeks ago. I can, I can walk into a room blindfolded. There could be 50 women in the room, and they're all speaking at the same time, but I could walk right by 49 of them because I know her voice. I, kn I know her fragrance. You, when you know somebody, you know things about them. I even know the quirky things about her. Like if, well, I was gonna share. I was gonna share a couple of them. Like if we leave somewhere, and we don't bring the dog, she turns crazy. 
Yes, she changes into someone I no longer know. She needs to check and recheck every single door so the dog will not escape. And then so the cat doesn't lock himself in the room so that he dies because there's no water. And then I also know things about her like she likes game plans. She calls them her GP. I don't know if you guys create these imaginary things, but you plan ahead. And it's your game plan. And she's got things all figured out Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And sometimes I don't even know these plans. And if I screw up these plans that I don't know about, my sweet, beautiful wife loses her marbles. Because I screwed things up again. Psst, man, don't go for those game plans. I love her and I know her intimately. And what's amazing is 12 years into our relationship, I'm still getting to know her. I'm still growing with her. I know her very, very well, but I'm still getting to know more of the details, the, the, those small things about who she is. And the reality is, is God, as our, as our beautiful creator, the, the sustainer of the universe, he, he created us, not, not out of boredom, but to have a relationship with us, our heavenly Father. He wants us to know and love him as he knows and loves us. So I want to walk you through three different, we're going to call them levels of intimacy in terms of our relationship and in believing in God. And this is not a grading system, but you're going to see yourself somewhere within these three. And no matter where you see yourself right now, my prayer for you is, is that you have a longing, a hunger to always walk closer with God. So today what I'd like to do is I, wanted to, I want you to determine for yourself where you are in these three examples of your walk in, in knowing God. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. Some people believe in God, but they don't know him. Some people believe in God, but they don't know him. And this might be you in your walk with God. You might say, how is that possible? How can you believe in God without knowing God? Scripture says even the demons believe in, in God and they shudder. They believe in God, but there's not that personal, loving relationship with God. In fact, the, the book terms this a cultural Christian. In seminary, many of the students use this to kind of describe where they have come from in their faith. And someone would say, yeah, I'm a Christian because you know, my, my mom was a Catholic and my, my dad was a, a Baptist. And, and, and so we go to church sometimes and, and, and the holidays we, we kind of cover growing up. Yeah, I call myself a Christian. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Catholic, you know. I'm not, I'm not this. I'm not, I'm not a Muslim. I'm not, I'm, I, I guess I'm a Christian. Cultural Christian. This kind of comes from, and this is, is uh, real popular in the Bible Belt area. You grow up learning and, and, and going maybe to church, but it never becomes your own personal belief. I believe in God, but I don't know him. In fact, 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, John has some very direct words to say about a real significant issue that's been going on since the beginning of time. He says this, he said, Verse 3, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, I know God, but does not do what he says, what is that person? They are a liar, and the truth is not in that person. 
If we say we know him but do not do what he commands, we're a liar and the truth is not in that person. This is kind of jumping off the lesson from last week, whoever says, I know God, but there's no fruit evidence in their life. There's no sense of obedience. There's no sense of remorse when we sin. There's no transformation happening. It's not what we do by getting favor for God, by doing what is is good, but it's when we know the goodness of God that he does the good through us. If we claim to know God, but our lives do not represent anything of the teachings of Jesus, we're a liar in what we say about ourselves. And the tragedy is, this is so many people who say, I believe in God, and, and I do some good things. There are some who even know a lot about the Bible, but they might just miss heaven by about this much. Brother uh, Ben, I, don't, I didn't see him today. I don't see him didn't come in today. Brother Ben actually uh, rightly made a post about this the other night, and, and he's so right, he's so dead on, because th- there's head knowledge of the things of, of God, but if we're not in line with him in a personal walk with Jesus, those things become useless. I need him in my heart, if you know what I mean. And he wants to know you intimately. Paul preached it this way in in Acts chapter 17, verse 27. He's trying to desperately spread the gospel to the intellects in Athens. He says, can't you see? It's so that they would seek God. If perhaps they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us, so that they would seek him, perhaps they might grope for him. It's that groaning, that yearning, I believe in God, but I don't know him. In fact, Jesus said some very direct and pointed words that that could be said, and and I never like to use this in some sort of a fear tactic way. Uh, You don't want people to come to God because they're afraid of going to hell. Uh, You want people to come to the Lord because we need him and, and because we want him. But Jesus says it very plainly in Matthew chapter 7. He says in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, in other words, at our time, when the time is done here on earth, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out the demons, and in your name, perform many miracles. Today we might say, didn't didn't I go to church? Didn't didn't I give some money? I, I tried to do some nice things. Lord, Lord, I said some prayers. Remember those prayers? I said those prayers. But Jesus said this, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I didn't know you. You maybe tried to do some good things. You maybe even believed in me, but we were not in a relationship. And quite honestly, this this was me for a very long time. Maybe some of you can relate. I believed in God. I went to church. I did not know him. I did not know him. The second category would be those who would say, well, I believe in God, and I know him, but I don't know him well. I believe in God. I know him, but I don't know him well. 
I haven't gotten to know him intimately. And I'll give you an example. When, when Katie and I gave our life to Christ, like maybe some of you, boy, the first, I don't know, two, four, six weeks, you're flying high. You're on this, this spiritual awakening. You're on a mission we were baptized, we began to, to pray regularly, we started going to church. But after a month or so, six weeks or so, we started losing that fire for the Lord. We began to fall back on our old routines. We went back to life, I like to say, right? Now some of you, you went through this once you were, you were, you were plugged in, though others of you never came unplugged. Some of you went through this. Some of you, boy, when I found the Lord, I was plugged in. I was there. I, I, I never wavered. So if you haven't experienced this, this was sort of like, I, I like to try to compare it to when you get something new. Let's just say uh, um, a car. When, when you get the brand new car, and it doesn't have to be brand new, just nicer than, than the one that you used to have. And when you first get the car, maybe you wash it every week that you get it. You know, you clean out the, the garbage every time there's a little bit of dirt. You're in there cleaning it right away. When you drive it, wow, you know, the, the brakes don't squeak. You notice that, oh, wow, that, that's awesome. The, the, the wheel's not shaking after you go over 50 miles an hour. You notice all this stuff after you're driving it for a while, it just becomes like the car that you've always had. It's the same car you've always had. It's really nice, but it feels like the car now that you've had forever. You become used to it, right? And as embarrassing as it is to admit, this is exactly what happened with my relationship with God. I noticed all of his glory at first sight. Everything was new, and then I just got used to him. I got too busy for him. When I first met him, I was in the Word every day. When I when I first met him, I wouldn't miss an opportunity to go and worship at a service. But as the days passed, I just fell back into the life routines. I went to church as long as I felt good, as long as I could fit it in. Because, you know, we get busy. We're busy, right? We're busy people. I'll fit it in if I can, if I can get it into my schedule. The kids, they got games, you know. My Bible, oh, well... It was unable to be the living word for me. Why? How? Well, you need to open up the Bible and read it to be alive. It was closed in a dark place, asleep. It was a book. It literally sat on the shelf with the other books. When I got out of church Sunday, I would put it with those other books, and throughout the week it would sit there, and then when it was time to go back to church, I would pick it out of that shelf and bring it to church with me. It accompanied me to church. It was my church accompanying book. I knew him, but I did not know him well. I believed in him, but I did not know him. And the reality is that there are so many of us who, who have this kind of relationship with God. We called on him. We, he might have even answered some of our prayers. We might have been truly born into his family, but the reality is we haven't grown with him. We haven't grown to know him. I like to say it sort of like this. We've been informed about Jesus, but we've been yet to be transformed by Jesus. We've been informed about Jesus, but we've yet to be transformed by Jesus. I'm not saying this person is not in the family of God, that your sins are not forgiven. That may all well 
very well be the case. You know him, but you don't know him well. In fact, Paul is talking to a group of people that very well could have fallen into this category. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9, he said to them, Formerly, when you did not know God, in other words, you know him now, but you didn't know him before. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. He said in verse 9, but now that you know God, and then he sort of qualifies it for him, or rather that you are known by God, it's like you didn't know him well, but now that you are known by God, how is it that you are turning your back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again, those weak and miserable forces? I mean, this was me. This is, this is so dead on. I'm telling you, if I could go back, I would be yelling and screaming and, wa- and waving my hands at me. <laughs> what are you doing? Are you crazy? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You just started this new incredible relationship with me, but yet you're going back to the same old destructive behaviors that you had before. Doesn't that show how sick we are? You just received the greatest gift anyone could ever give to you. You're awake for the first time in your life, free of bondage. You were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Slaves to the things of this world that we worshipped. Your walk's just getting started. Then you're on autopilot after work, just, just walking into the... The, what's it called, the, the beer cave. You know, you're on autopilot after work. You just walk in there and grab one of the bit, you know, 30 packs. Yeah, go grab one. I, I'm getting ripped after work because, well, I deserve it. I worked hard all week. Child, do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You go home, you jump right back onto those websites that you know are destructive to your marriage that led you down that, lo- that road of, of lust and desire. Child, do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You know, add what it is that you want. Your, your, your drink, your drug, your food, your, your pride, your, your lust, the, the worldly treasures, your idols, whatever you were enslaved to before that Christ freed you from. And as soon as you get some relief from that, that comfort from all that years of pain that it brought from you, we just go right back into it. You fall back. And the more you fall back into it, the, the bigger the threat is of that separation. We're weakening that relationship with God. Not that he'll leave us, but sometimes we, we stay hidden in the dark too long. Man, it's hard to crawl back out of that cave, back into the light. Satan's going to pour that shame all over you. You see, you were never good enough. I told you you weren't going to fit in with those people. It's very, very real. And the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because back when I became a follower of Jesus, I was being pulled back into those same old things. I knew him, but I did not know him well. And Satan, I'm telling you, he does not like to lose souls. You will be tempted to turn back. My life, my things, I deserve this. You know, I got stuff going on. 
Now, I know it's important to be part of the church, and I will when I'm not so busy, when I'm rested, when it fits into my life. And that's exactly where, where some of you might find yourselves right now. Ask yourself, is being a Christian a thing I do? Do I fit Christ into my life? Or is he my life? And I fit my life around him. Is church a thing you do on Sundays, or are you the church Monday through Saturday? You know him, but you don't know him well. The good news is this. If you know Christ well, and I can attest to this, you won't be perfect, but you are being perfectly by his presence. You are being transformed into the image of Christ. The biblical word is is sanctified. Sanctification. He's, he's transforming you. He's changing you by his power in your spirit. To know Christ well, don't we all want to know him well? That brings us to our final thought, number three. And this is where I hope that currently you are in your relationship with him or you desire to be. You're working on that relationship with him. And that, that is for those who would say, I believe in God, and I know him intimately, and I serve him wholeheartedly. I know him intimately, and I serve him wholeheartedly. Those of you who are there, you may not even say that you're completely there. But you will totally recognize and, and relate to this imagery I'm going to share. You're the ones who, who knows what it means to be led by the Spirit of God. You understand what it means to walk by, by faith and not by sight. You know what it means to be gently convicted of your sin and you quickly turn from it. You know what it means to wake up and say, God, I want to bring to you glory today. You see the hand of God working all throughout the day of your life. You recognize him in conversations that you have with people. You can feel him prodding at you to say something that you weren't even planning on saying. You know his comfort when something wrong happens in your life and you feel that supernatural peace that comes over you. You know when you're weak that he makes you strong. His word is, is a part of your life and it's, it's hidden deep inside your heart. The more you feed of it, the more that you want it. You, know, you find worship as a natural overflow out of your daily life. You glorify him in every part of your day. And at the end of the day, you don't measure the day by how you feel or, or what you've done. You measure the, the day by how did I serve and, and glorify my God. If that relates to you, it's not that you're perfect. It's not that you're better than anybody else. It just means that you've been walking with God. I love the imagery that David in Psalms chapter 63, 1 through 4 Listen to a man who loves God. Listen to a man who who needs God. He says, you, God, are my God. You're not some God, the God, a God. You're my God. Earnestly I seek you. In other words, this comes right from my soul. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Oh, God, you are my God. I have seen you in the sanctuary. I have beheld your power and glory. I didn't just hear about it. I experienced this firsthand, God. 
because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. He cries out, I will praise you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. This is a reflection of a person who is not perfect, who did not have it all together, but knew God intimately and was longing to serve him wholeheartedly. You, God, are my God. I earnestly seek you. I thirst for you. My, my whole being longs for you. I grope for you. This is so different than, yeah, I guess I believe in God, right? <laughs> it's so different. I believe in God, but don't know him. I believe in God and know him, but I don't know him well. I believe in God, I know him intimately, and by his grace and through his spirit, I will serve him wholeheartedly. How well do you know God? How well do you know God? Let me share this piece with you that might help you get a little bit of insight and and, and help you to find that answer. What you call God indicates sometimes how well you know God. How you call God out in, in prayer or in your, your everyday conversations with you. What you call God is a good indicator of, of how well you know God. For example, most scholars believe David wrote Psalms chapter 9, and, and this is what Psalms 9.10 says of God. Those who know your name, what do they do? They trust in you. Those who know your name, Trust in you, God. For example, we get all sorts of calls from my father at the restaurant. If the phone rings, I pick up someone says, Yeah, hi, is Mr. Richard H. Davis there? It's usually someone who doesn't know my, my father at all. And then if they say, Well, it, it, then is Diane Davis available? Well, they're a telemarketer and I just hung up on you. You definitely don't know them <laughs> at all. However, if you call the restaurant looking for my dad and you ask for Rick, you most likely know him, maybe know something about him. You might know what he does for a living. You might even be a part of of the church family here. There are some, though, three to be exact, who call him father. And we know him on a whole different level. We have spent time together, more time with him than anyone else. At one point in time, he would even be Hulk Hogan as we wrestled WWF style on the bed. He's been there for the good times. He's been there for the bad times. And we've had deeply personal conversations with each other. All of his children can say, we know him intimately. We know him intimately. We've prayed together more than we've prayed with anyone else. Those who who call you father know you at a whole different level. What you call someone helps determine how well you know them. In the presence of God, what do you call him? Do you cry out something as intimate as Father? Maybe some of you know him as Savior because he saved you from your sins. Some of you call him friend because he was there for you when when nobody else was there for you. There are those of you who call him healer because he has healed you supernaturally. There are those of you who call him provider and comforter. There are those of you who, he is your Lord, he is your king. 
what you call him reflects how well you know him. And, and the more that you get to know him, the deeper that you understand the, and the more that we know about his characteristics and of the glory of the goodness of God. For most of my life, I believed in God, but I did not know him. I was a Christian atheist, hands down, 100%. I was a Christian atheist. I believed in God. I went to church, but I did not know him. And and when you get to know him better, that sanctification begins. Your heart is going to start to break for the things that break the heart of God. You're going to start to care about things that you didn't care about before. You're going to have a burden for those who are overlooked and, and unfortunate, that outcast. Suddenly, you're praying for people that you never even thought about praying for before. And when you sin, you don't beat yourself up, but you are quickly convicted and, and you recognize, man, I shouldn't have done that. And you repent and you turn away. And you turn to God, you ask for forgiveness, and you receive his, his grace. And, and you leave all that guilt and that shame that's behind you. And you start to hear his voice, this gentle voice loving you, encouraging you, you know, correcting you, guiding you. You sense his presence throughout the day and you have a longing for more of him. It's not like, oh, I got to go to church this morning. No! In fact, church isn't some place that you just go. It's who you are. You see yourself as a part of the family of God and, and you give cheerfully from your heart because it comes from the overflow of the blessings that he has provided for you. When you come to church, you don't just come to, to consume, but you look for ways at how you can contribute. You might not be a leader, but because you are, are walking close with the Lord, he has made known to you just how valuable the, the people skills that maybe he's given to you. And, and you joyfully go out and, and greet new members, and you have an eye to see for who's hurting. You're attached to the vine, and the fruit is plainly seen. And you serve not because you see yourself just as a Christian, but as a minister wherever it is that you go. I may work construction, I might be a school teacher, I might be a stay-at-home mom, but I'm the one who does it boldly in the name of Jesus. And all throughout the day, you can sense his spirit guiding you. Why? Because you know him intimately and you serve him wholeheartedly. The good news is God wants to reveal himself to you. It's not a hide-and-seek game. We just read it in Acts. If they would only seek me, grope for me. They had all this knowledge. He's not far from any one of us. 24-7 service, 365 days a year, okay? It's a pretty good deal. He's always open. You are one prayer and one conversation away from getting to know him better. We'll close with this last verse. Uh, a few weeks back, we did the, the series Pray, and we studied and, and prayed four weeks of, of different prayers that the Apostle Paul prayed, uh, and you might remember the prayer, so that. And well, one of those prayers we didn't do, we did not cover, and this is my prayer for you today. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 19. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that, and then say this with me, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you would know our good God better. 
It's all about the relationship. How well do you know him? I pray that you would know God, that you would know him intimately, and that you would serve him wholeheartedly. Please stand for today's invitation.